Talk and Pray for Life and Business, faith-based personal development courses and coaching, tapping into our best life. Hi, I'm Mary Lou Cassida for Talk and Pray, and it took me a while to settle into myself. Do you know the feeling? Capable, ambitious, but wanting more? More impact, more success, more satisfaction? Me too. I've been a mompreneur and now maturepreneur. How do you like that term? (laughs) And I have a lifetime of experience, work, family, love, and loss that combined with the truth of scripture have taught me valuable lessons. I have a passion to share that wisdom with women of faith who want more. Welcome to Talk and Pray for Life and Business. get a grip. About once a week, I leave my home office, laptop and files in tow, to park myself at a corner table at Panera. My table, well, my name isn't on it or anything, but if it's occupied, I sit nearby and stalk it, waiting for its current residents to finish their steel-cut oats and bear claws and take their coffee and go. (laughs) I don't resort to the stink eye stare to make them leave, but I'm mentally nudging them, if you know what I mean, sending mental telepathy out with surreptitious glances, ready to scoop up my files and computer at a moment's notice. My table (laughs) has walls on two sides, a comfy bench seat, and lots of light, views out the windows, plus adequate spacing away from the other tables in the section. The trendy background music, thrum of conversation, and movement of people in and out of my section feels like soothing white noise without the sleepiness. I find that my concentration and ability to be productive improves when I hang out there. Getting out of my house, taking advantage of the free Wi-Fi, and having access to broccoli cheddar soup and iced tea that someone else made and I don't have to clean up all contribute to getting more done. I get a break every time I refill my tea, moving from the far end of the restaurant to the front where the drink station is. The Panera closest to me is about 45 minutes away, so I'm intentional about preparing what I'll work on. I'm guessing that limiting myself to a couple of projects or files helps overcome the overwhelm I often feel when I'm working at home, where distractions are everywhere and all the things that need doing vie for my attention. Usually, my Panera time is serene, but today I've had to move up and down the aisle of the struggle bus. First, my table was occupied by a small group of older women talking loudly, FaceTiming a friend mutual to all three of them, and taking entirely too much time to drink their coffee. Why, I wonder, do public phone conversations seem so much louder than regular conversations? And normally, you'll hear one side of the conversation, but today I'm hearing not two, but four. Not the usual background thrum I enjoy. When the ladies finally leave, I quickly move my stuff over and and place my order for soup, ready to settle in and get some work done. I pick up my soup at the counter, set it on the table, and as I turn to place my tea on the other side, my elbow catches my soup and sloshes half of it onto my table and computer. Ugh. And my first thought is, get a grip. Is that an 80s phrase or a 90s phrase? 
I'm not sure, but it reminded me that I woke up thinking something similar and put it in the notes on my phone. Good practice, by the way, of recording thoughts and ideas somewhere that you can access them later when you need them. As a writer and a speaker, these little notes to self and turns of phrase that I pull out of my brain and put in a journal, a notebook, or a phone note prove to be useful in unexpected ways. So the juicy morsel that I'd put in my phone's notes was this. If I could get a grip on myself, I wouldn't have to grasp at straws. I recorded the thought because I was worried about a money problem. Being unwilling to acknowledge and address my role in the problem had made it worse. Now it felt bigger than my ability to correct it. Getting a grip on myself before controlling what only I can control, which is me, would have eliminated my sleeplessness and desperation after to clean up the mess of my own making. In a sudden insight while cleaning up soup, I realized that I was escalating a minor problem into a full-blown drama in my head. I'd been running from the problem, not facing what was right in front of me, and like the soup, it wasn't going to clean itself. Here's a thought. Avoidance is not a sound strategy. So what can you do with a situation that has you paralyzed, doubting your abilities, scaring you with its potential, making you feel powerless to move forward? Well, a very capable, successful Old Testament prophet was in a similar predicament. Elijah had just finished showing the false prophets of Baal who the true and living God is by his confrontation with them on Mount Carmel. While the false prophets whined and wailed and cut themselves to invoke their God to do something, Elijah laughed and asked them if Baal was on vacation. (laughs) Nothing like a little sarcasm to fan the flames. Elijah says, perhaps he's in deep thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. 1 Kings 18, 27. Then Elijah doubled down and added to the my God is bigger than your God challenge. He built an altar and covered it three times with precious water, scarce, hard-to-find water that had to be scrounged up from somewhere because there'd been a drought in the land for three years, a drought Elijah asked for and God gave him. Elijah prayed, Answer me, Lord, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God. 1 Kings 18.37 In a stunning display of power, the fire of the Lord fell, burned up the sacrifice, the altar, the wood, and licked up all the water that covered and surrounded the altar. Elijah then commanded that all 450 prophets of Baal be killed by the sword. Then he had the boldness, the audacity, to send word to King Ahab, better hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. After that, the king's wife, Jezebel, sent out a threat against Elijah. I can almost see and hear the sneer in her words. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of the prophets of Baal. 1 Kings 19.2 After his greatest triumph, the moment God had showed up and showed off, this prophet, who'd stopped the rain, multiplied the oil, raised the dead, and brought down fire from heaven, suddenly turned tail and ran for his life. We next see him under a juniper tree and praying to die. 
I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. No doubt he needed to get a grip. He couldn't see a way out of the threat. He'd picked up what Jezebel had laid down, and all he could think to do was avoid, avoid, avoid. Run from the problem. James 5.17 in the Passion Translation tells us that Elijah was a man with human frailties, just like all of us, but he prayed and received supernatural answers. Supernatural the answers were, but for Elijah under the juniper tree, they were also practical and instructive for us when we need to get a grip and stop grasping for straws to fix what we've avoided for too long. As a child, we're taught to stop, look, and listen before crossing the street. Before grasping for straws, I think we need to stop, listen, and look. First, stop. When a problem has paralyzed you into inaction, stop and analyze your state. Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness and sat down. After he prayed and slept, Scripture tells us that an angel came to Elijah, told him to get up and eat. Elijah found some warm bread in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. This scene is repeated, and afterwards, Elijah was strengthened enough to travel 40 days and nights to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. No doubt he had been hungry, tired, frustrated, afraid, and discouraged. Are you tired, hungry, frustrated, discouraged? Funny, isn't it? That even after mountaintop experiences, we often can and do experience depression and anxiety. I remember a particularly rewarding season of my sales career. My team had exploded in growth. We'd scaled up in our sales and company standing. And after the initial excitement of it all, I got the do-nothings. I felt ineffective as a leader, and I was tired of the business and the people. Time to evaluate what is my state. What can I do to practically alleviate it? I was tired. We'd been intense for about 90 days. I was discouraged because after growth, we plateaued. I was frustrated that the team I'd invested in for months was starting to slow down. I was afraid we'd lose what we'd worked so hard to attain. First order of business is to breathe and remember what I can control and what is outside my control. Elijah couldn't control Jezebel. I couldn't control my team, but I can control my mental state. I can control my prayers. I can ask for help. If I had chosen to remain in that self-sabotaging state, my failure would have become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I had to stop and assess my state before moving on to possible solutions. Second, listen. Elijah prayed. He laid out his woes. He said, I did everything right, Lord, and they're trying to kill me. And then he hushed to hear God's voice. Too often we do the talking in our prayer time, but very little listening. We get in a hurry to fix things without getting still and waiting for the whisper that will come if we're actively seeking it. When Elijah reached Mount Horeb, he petitioned God again, and God told Elijah that he was about to pass by. Get ready. I'm fixing to tell you something. That's my Appalachian translation. God's voice was not in the drama, not in the whirlwind, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, but in a gentle whisper. Often we can get caught up in our own drama and forget to 
in a couple of words, simmered down. A confused, distraught, frustrated, whirling mind shuts down and does nothing. Listen for the gentle whisper. You got to get quiet. You got to get still and listen. God whispered next steps to Elijah. Go back the way you came, he said. 1 Kings 19.15 That's good advice for me in my get-a-grip moment. What had brought me to that point? What would experience and wisdom reveal to me? What will they reveal to you? There are some things in the back there that you can do. One mentor in my sales career would tell me, go back three steps. I bet you can find the problem there. If my sales were so-so, how had I set up my demonstrations? What expectations had I set for the appointment? If a relationship needs repair, go back and find where it got off kilter. Then listen for the whisper of wisdom. I know the one who tells oceans and stars where to go will have a solution for me. We always learn more by listening than by talking, especially when we listen to God. Finally, Elijah looked. God instructs Elijah about three leaders coming behind him. Anoint Haziel, king over Aram, Jehu, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha to succeed you as prophet. 1 Kings nineteen fifteen and 16. Having stopped and listened, now Elijah could see what God was doing. Other people were attached to his mission. Two kings and a prophet would be part of the solution, and another 7,000 in Israel were loyal to God. Elijah was not alone. He had only to look. If we are willing to look, we'll find that we are impacting other people when dealing with difficulties and frustrations in our lives and businesses. The man following Elijah in his prophetic calling, Elisha, would go on to do double the miracles that Elijah did. You can impact others with your mindset, your peace, and your courage to deal with problems head-on rather than avoiding them and resorting to grasping at straws when things get desperate. Look for those who are following you. Look to see what a difference you can make. Elijah didn't have all the answers, but he was able to get a grip, stop, listen, and look, and continue on mission. My get-a-grip money dilemma will be easily resolved. Deep cleansing breath. I am calm and analytical and accepting and speaking gently to myself. Like the soup on my table at Panera, this problem is easily mopped up. Elijah was a person with frailties, so am I. He prayed and God answered. God will hear and answer me. He'll be a present help in my trouble. The whisper of wisdom I hear is a spending plan and accountability partner. I see impact on my future self and spouse as we plan travel and investing and on others as we practice generosity because I've been wiser with money. No more wild hair worries or grasping at straws that I'll have to sell my firstborn or donate plasma. (laughs) It's just money. With God's help, I'll make more. Stop. Listen. Look. Amen. Father, Your word about Elijah and James, that he was human like me and and perfect like me, touched me deeply and gave me such hope. Elijah was mighty in your service, and I can be too. 
Thank you for reminding me that your love, your help, your voice doesn't depend on how good I am, but on how good you are. Remind me that you are there ready to speak to me and lead me forward, and that when I stay on mission, others will benefit and see that you are the Lord. Show up and show off like you did for Elijah. Can't wait to see what you will do. Help me as I heed your voice of wisdom and obey. Produce fruit in me that shows who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Talk and Pray for Life and Business. To learn more about the podcast and to get today's transcript, notes, and other content, go to talkandpray.us slash podcast. Join me every Tuesday for more Talk and Pray. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave a positive review if you'd like to hear more content like this. This Talk and Pray podcast is sponsored by Talk and Pray for Life and Business, faith-based personal development courses and coaching. Music is In the Field by Audionautics.com. Look for Talk and Pray on Facebook and Instagram.